Yo, what's good? This is Dylan from Producer Grind. Welcome to another episode of the Producer Grind podcast. Special shout out to the cameraman, Cook It Up KO in the back. Um, we got my boy Letter L in the building. What's good with you, bro? Yo, what up, man? What's going on? Chilling, man. Chill. You know, you know, we just working. We working. You know, podcast is turning into uh, my favorite day of the week, bro. I was kind of geek coming up here. Kind of know what we was getting into today, man. Um, you know, I did a lot of work up at Patchwork last summer, mm. um, especially with this uh, this 411 Music Academy program, which we'll get into later. But um, our guest, man, the first time I heard his name, I was doing a producer event, um, I think back in 2016, um, before I had moved to Atlanta. Um, and it's kind of one of those things, man. One, one thing you need to understand about this game is the better you are, the more your your reputation is going to precede you. Um, so it was a dude named Kangaroo, a producer from Tennessee. He was like, yo, you need to go over to Patchwork. You need to holler at my man Staffa, right? So then, you know, I was working in Chicago, you know, with a couple artists. Um, one, of, one of the managers of the artists I was working with, he was like, yo, you need to holler at Staffa when you get to Atlanta. So this is twice now I've heard this guy's name. So um, lo and behold, same artist manager, I'm doing this program with these kids in the summer over at Patchwork. We arrive in the studio. Who's our uh, engineer? Staffa, man. So um, Staffa, real, Staffa. real quick, I just want to shout out uh, before we before we get into it, man. I just want to shout out his accomplishments, man. Um, uh, one of the one of the be- best engineers in the city of Atlanta, really. Um, he's he's uh, anchored over at Patchwork. Um, he's engineered for Young Thug, Ti, Gucci Mane, Future, Migos, Waka Flocka. Kid Inc. and Jeezy, also with the two Grammy nominations, y'all. Welcome, Staffa, Engineer Staffa, to the building, man. What's happening? What's happening? What's going on, man? Appreciate <laughs> you. Appreciate y'all. Appreciate you pulling up, man. So we're glad to have you in the building, man. Um, thank you for joining us. And uh, I know Dylan had a couple questions he wanted to ask you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, definitely. Yeah, definitely. No, um, I got a, a pretty uh, strong background in engineering. Uh, engineering was always like my hustle, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, you know, pulling up on people with the laptop and the mic. Yeah. Um, I had a studio before, you know what I mean? Like it was a little, I was living in it for three months, believe it or not. Uh, no shower, no none of that. It was a crazy situation. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. But <laughs> now, um, so the entrepreneurship, have you ever owned a, like a studio yourself? Like even I, if it was just a little. Um, when I was starting out, as I was as I was going to school, I would um, buy the equipment as I learned about it. Um I seen everybody were using Macs, um, was the format of what we were using on to be taught off of. So I would go and buy the equipment as we learn about it. Mm-hmm. So um, as I was buying buying the equipment, um, I was an artist. Uh, I was more so an artist at the time, and I was really just trying to figure out how to way to make my sound better. And as I grew in grew in my schooling, um, I had a couple other classmates that would come with me, come to my house and we record and and I'd give you like a Two day turnaround to give you your song back and that kind of like how it started out. So I was just working out of my house, uh, uh, just trying to trying to make my sound better. And other people, as they heard my sound, would gravitate gravitate towards me, and that's how I kind of got started. What were you charging back then? Oh shit, man, we charging like fifteen dollars. <laughs> fifteen dollars. <laughs> give, give you forty eight hours. I I turn it back to. You. Um, I even had it where um I had a I had a pretty good trustworthy clientele, so I'd leave a CD in, in my mailbox if. If I wouldn't be home and they'd leave the cash and it's kind of like that's how we what's did. up. That's the hustle right there. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Where'd you go to school at? Um, I went to GTCC out of um, High Point, North Carolina. Okay. Yeah, I didn't do the full sale route. Um, I, I didn't want. I didn't feel comfortable leaving school with all that type of debt. So mm, I, I heard walked that. out clean. <laughs> so GTCC, that's a recording school, or just like a yeah. Um, it's a community college um, out of North Carolina, but they have a, a program for for in, audio engineering, um, sound reinforcement. 
That's what's up. And um, you have to you have to take a major in entertainment technology to get into it. But yeah, shout out to the teachers and all the gotcha. students back there. That's what's up. <laughs> now, um, what uh, what are like you know? Well, first of all, you ever did an internship like for a studio? Mm-hmm. Um, Patchwork was my first and only internship. Um, luckily, um, uh, how I did in school, I was able to to leave state. Um, the two the two options we had. Uh, we could go to Tennessee, somewhere in Nashville to work, or either some local church doing sound. And uh, a lot of the music I was currently working on was hip-hop anyway, or hip-hop based. Mm-hmm. And Atlanta seemed to be the no-brainer as far as uh, location and artists that were coming out. So I said, let me try my internship at Patchwork. And um, they accepted me and uh, moved on down to Atlanta as soon as they, they said I could come and Started getting coffee and donuts and whatever, <laughs> whatever I had to do yeah. to get there. Can you, know? can you talk about that early internship life? Um, I, I'm, you know, listen, I, I get around the city, you know, I've been to a, a number of studios. And one thing that's a topic right now is what is being asked of interns, mm-hmm. right? Um, I've, I've heard some stories. I've heard, frankly, some horror stories. And I've heard some stories, well, no, that sounds about right. They should be asking you to do that. So can you talk about um, your experience and kind of how that compares to what people might be expecting now coming out of school? Um, I think uh, you see, you learn a lot of, about a person's character when you ask them to do things that, that they don't want to do. Yeah. And anybody that tells you that they loved interning is telling you a lie <laughs> because it's, it's a lot of things that uh, it, teach, it teaches you to, to pay attention to detail. A lot of times if, if you can't get a food order right and we have gear that, that costs excess of $1.5 million, if we can't expect you to follow details um, as far as getting a food order right, how can we trust you on this gear? Mm. That's kind of like the concept behind it. Um, also, when I moved to Atlanta, my teachers uh, – Pretty much prepared prepared me for it. They're very straightforward with, with our with our class. Um, they told us that um, that uh, it'll be very hard to to not only find an internship um, that you want to do, but find one in a studio that's that's active in the industry. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. and when um and so my my whole mind frame was was when I got the patchwork was that I'm gonna learn as much information as I, as I can so that I can be efficient in any studio go, that I go to. And just so happens, um, within six months of me being there, they asked me if I wanted to stay. Mm, that was your next question. How long yeah. were you there? Yeah, um, but but that's not a that's not saying that that you have six months and it happens. I, there were guys there that that interned all the way up from a year, year and a half to longer, just just depending on um, your initiative that you take when you're there. Um, we even had uh, the guy that hired me. They would set up little tests. They would like tear up a little piece of paper and. See who would get the piece of paper. Mm. Mm. Swatch on the camera. Yeah, to just see and say who 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 did who went far and beyond who paid attention. And I tried to treat the studio like it was mine. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, when you when you when you look for an internship, a lot of times we want you to be a fly on the wall. Um, when you go in there, try not to try not to uh, be all over the engineer's shoulder, but 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 pay attention to what they're doing because you never know when it's your turn to sit in that seat. Word. And, it, and that and that happens overnight. Um, my first start was with YC. Um, he did Racks on Racks. Um, I didn't record that record, but um, this was right off of the the uh, the fame of that record. Um, and something happened where they couldn't get a, a engineer to be available for the session, and, and I was an intern on staff at the time. And, they, and I volunteered. I was like, I can, I'll do it. Didn't know if I could or couldn't, but I was <laughs> like, hey, I, I'll do it. And um, 
we did 15 hours and he slept for most of them, but that all, that that showed that I had initiative and, and I started getting other sessions and just just knowing that that the people that are there are there to help you and and try to use your colleagues also as springboards to work as well, because I I sat behind two engineers, uh, uh, D Brown, um, he worked <clears throat> on Mad City, uh, uh, for Kendrick Lamar, um, I think he got a Grammy nomination for that, and then I had uh, Luther, uh, uh, Luther was my my other I guess. Uh, engineer above me that I was using as a guide. So I took took little things from them and really sitting behind D and, and Luther, I was able to see that if I was put in this seat, I need to be able to be as, just as efficient as they are to not look bad. Mm. So I made sure I, I seen that D was real fast with shortcuts and everything and Luther was real organized with file management. So I tried to take those things and make sure they didn't slow me down when I was working. So there's little things what, you pick up. What are some of your tips... Uh, to to interns on how to not get taken advantage of and you know how to just you know make the most out of your situation. Um, I say um, just it it goes with normal life. Just be be a man, be a woman when you're working. Um, try 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 not to bring any problems you have from home to the studio. Just know you're there as a as customer service that you're selling more than studio time. Mm. And it, and with music, it's very vibe-based. So so you making the wrong comment, talking too loud, um, any things like that, um, j- just knowing to to take a trash bag outside of the room before you empty it, little things like that that can mess up a vibe or, or bring attention to you. Try not to do those things. It's funny. We were just talking about that earlier, how easy it is to get comfortable somewhere. You know, before you kind of understand the dynamic, just reading the vibe and reading the room. Definitely, definitely. Also, want to remind um, if you are live, now I know we're not live, but if you want to uh, produce a grind live feed and you want to ask a question of Staffa, because he's a great resource right now, go ahead and throw your questions in there yeah, and uh, we'll get to them. I'm about, to, I'm about to start the live out in a second right now. Okay. Um, now, what uh, what advice would you give, you know, for networking or relationship building for, you know, starting entrepreneurs or I mean, starting engineers and entrepreneurs, I guess? Uh, what I did a lot, I went to a lot of open mics when I was interning. I try to I try to be almost a patchwork representative for them, although they didn't ask me to. So I yeah. had um, I'd go out <laughs> with business cards and, and T-shirts and, and, and letting you know that I was. I was uh, a new engineer, but you could come get me and we'd get some work done at Patchwork. Um, and then just making sure you you know everybody in the room when you walk in the room. Um, introduce yourself, because um, you never know who that guy in the corner could be next. He could be the next artist, and and we're just looking for somebody to to, to, to have a basis or a conversation or just, just have somebody take insight in them. So just make sure you introduce yourself to everybody in the room and and... And as far as networking, go go as many as many open mics, as many uh, uh, open houses at studios you can get to. And now that I, now I, I notice, I I'd say most engineers are kind of introverted. Mm-hmm. Would you say that? Would you say you're introverted? Um, so? To a degree, but I think even on the scale of introverted engineers, I'm I'm kind of out of the box on that. I'm very active on my social media. Yeah. Stuff underscore thirteen. Um, I've, I've That's a great to follow, schools. by the way. Please follow. <laughs> it was a great follow. Definitely. And, and um, yeah, I go. I talk to schools. Uh, I just try to be out there as much as I can. If not, uh, nah. well, I hope I didn't get too far from the question. I was asking you. Uh, uh, I said, 
I was talking about networking, but really I was uh, leading towards, um, uh, you know, tips to, you know, for producers to kind of break that introverted uh-huh. show. Yeah. Um, you just gotta, you just gotta do it. You gotta, you gotta talk more than, than you feel comfortable talking sometimes. Yeah. Um, closed mouth doesn't get fed. Yeah. Um, a lot of times, uh, just in conversation, an artist will tell you what they're looking for. They may be short of an engineer. Yeah. Um, uh, how I got with Thug just so happens that um, a friend of mine who was working with him before, prior to me, um, he started catching work more so on the West Coast, and Thug liked working on the East Coast. And because uh, uh, his engineer at the time and I came up around the same time, and a lot of tips and tricks that we do today, we shared with each other. Um, it was it was easy. You, you know I want to ask that follow-up question because uh, one of our guys that's on the team, uh, D. Sims, um, he works with Doug a little bit too. And one of the things he talks about at the seminars, when we do our Pro Tools seminars, um, is that Doug likes fast work. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Now, Doug, I t- if, if, there, if we could teach a crash course in engineering, he would be the, the guy to use. Um, just the speed that you have to you have to have as an engineer to work for him is is crazy. Like um he doesn't write and he and he's a puncher, so he says a line, stops, next line. But what's so interesting about Thug, Thug has about five different techniques of how he records. So just depending on the beat, he might go and do a a, a scratch track where he just hums out the melody. And then um and then also his punching method, he can come in off of the the breath of the last word. I've never experienced anybody that can do that. Um, uh, and and for like example, you could say, let's say this Coke can, um, can on the end of the word he can punch in. Oh, wow. Most people need a pre-roll or some rhythm. He can be drinking, drinking, smoking, doing whatever he's doing. <laughs> he can come in right on point each time. So, But but he's very, he's very demanding of what he wants and he knows what he wants. That's what's up. That's what's up. Um, so I guess one thing I definitely want to talk, uh, ask you about um, while we're recording is definitely the Grammy nominations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Grammys just for, first of all, did you watch the Grammys? Um, I, I caught the, um, the tail end. I, um, I seen that Bruno Mars was racking up. I did catch that part. Um, what were your just overall impressions, you know, just from an engineering standpoint and watching, you know, people who may not normally get the big credit throughout the year, like, hey, you, this is your time to be acknowledged. Yeah, I really, I really was paying attention, uh, paying attention to what the Migos were doing mm-hmm. because of uh, the magnitude of the records that they've been dropping. And also, um, I have a lot of a lot of friends um, with invested interest in what they're doing. I, yeah. I have a few producers that they got some credits on, on that um, on that album. And um just seeing what they're doing on the charts, I really wanted to see how the world would would, would take their presence as a as a as a formidable rap group. So I really paid uh, attention to the Migos, although although they didn't win, I think I think they should have taken at least group, rap group or something. Most deaf, most deaf. Um so can you talk about um your own Grammy nominations? Okay. Um my first Grammy nomination was with um with uh, R and B Divas. And that Consisted of Faith Evans, Nikki Gilbert, Kiki Wyatt, Selena Johnson, and Monifa. That's a hell of a lineup. Yeah, and <laughs> and we had all five of those women, strong personalities, great great women to work with, and uh, we did we did the record. It took us maybe I think a week to get everything laid because because of scheduling. Yeah, and um, at the time I didn't know that they were shooting this uh, that we were recording this song as the 
pilot song for a reality show that was about that they were uh, getting ready to release. R and B Divas. Oh, okay, okay. And it became <clears throat> the actual theme song to the show. Oh, that's crazy. So that was that was that was a pretty good experience. And then then the second the second nomination was with um, Anderson Pack. Um, never met him before, other than I knew of him due to Dr. Dre uh, N.W.A. Um, soundtrack. Okay, okay. And um, he came to Patchwork, and he said he wanted to do something different that day. And we pulled up a session, and I think the first record was Seasons. And midway, I guess midway, he got the uh, of the session. He said, "You know what? I want to merge two records together." So that was my first time taking two sessions and blending them to make one. So so basically had to do a tempo grid and bring in a whole nother beat and just do the morph of the two records. So it was two sessions. That, um, if you go to um, my, my IG page, stop underscore 13, I even have um, a clip of where I showed a session where you can see two sessions in one. I'm going to check that out because that's, <laughs> that's juicy, nerdy stuff right there. So you have to like automate the BPM and yeah, stuff? Yeah, because um, it did a slowdown transition. So that was kind of tricky, but we got it to work. That's dope, man. Have you uh, have you ever gotten a placement for like a producer friend of yours by, you know, being with a big client and, you know, pull, having a chance, opportunity mm-hmm. to pull up a beat? Mm-hmm. Um, with um, with my cousin Ricky Rex, uh, he did he did uh, records like uh, Best Friend for Young Thug. Mm. And uh, Peekaboo for Amigos and Yachty um, and a few other records. But, um, yeah, uh, I was in a session with DJ Holiday, and I guess the, the, the client he was working with was uh, was running behind and had some downtime. So I figured instead of sitting in the room quiet with, with the DJ, I'd play some beats. So I pulled up uh, Ricky Rack's uh, a pack that he sent for me. Um, and I just started playing beats. I played maybe about three beats in. Before holiday told me to stop, and I'm thinking he's not liking the records, and he and he immediately was like, uh, "Who is this kid? Where are these beats coming from?" He said, uh, "Get him on the phone. I want to sign him." That's Damn. what's up. That's what's up. And got him on the phone, and he asked him how soon he could be here. He said, "Probably in a week." And he said, "Well, when you come down, holler at me. I want to sign you." Did they ever ink an agreement? Mm-hmm. They did. Wow. Um, uh, I think he he worked with them for about a year, then he went over to uh, Defiant with uh, Be Rich. And then around that time, I, I met some people that were that were taking over DARP, and they were looking for some producers. So I brought them over there, and and um, they signed him as an in-house producer over there. And that's where you met uh, Ti and Young Thug. And then then just to go back on networking, um, as time would have it, and he built his relationships up, up with clients. He would call me for sessions. Yeah. So the first time I worked with Ti was through him. There's a little bit of game for you guys. I was going to say for all the producers listening. Yeah, like, listen, man, um, it's the power of relationships, right? One, you know, if somebody gives you a layup, make sure you remember them, you know, in your travels. That's one. And two, just understand the power of relationships and, and know the resources, right? So, like, and I was telling Dylan this, about every three, four months, I hit up Stafford, like, yo, you still keeping beats on file? Yeah, I'll send you, i send Stafford three, four beats, right? Because I know that's something he, that he does. If I've established a rapport with him, you never know, you know, what could happen. So, you know, keep your, keep your relationship game tight. And that's a, that's a fun thing to do, to send, send a text message to one of your, your friends or a producer and say, uh, Gucci's rapping on your track right now. That's what's up. <laughs> That's, good That's news. what's up. That's definitely good news. So 
producers, man, all you producers out there, become friends with engineers, look into network with engineers. Would you ever consider like, uh, you know, charging as a service? Like, you know, hey, I got a set big session coming up with such and such. If you want me to play a beat and I think it's hard, send me X amount of dollars. It, it goes back to relationships. Um, if it's very important to take an account of how you reach out to someone. Um, if you if you reach out to someone with just gimme 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 gimme, mm-hmm. you kind of get pushed back to the to back burn. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm real, like I said, just like artists, I'm real big on vibe. So I like to meet people before I go handing you off to other people because I I take I take my relationships very seriously mm-hmm. with, that I built with folks, mm-hmm. and I don't want to send anybody to someone that's going to cause a problem. For sure. So I make sure um, I just make sure I do my own filtering. Um, when um, I actually listen to the beats that people send because my ear is that important to me. I don't want to play something that I know artists isn't going to like. And then when I have something I can play, that I know they're going to like, nah, they, they don't want to hear what I got because the last few times I played some stuff that was just whack. You burnt the bridge. Burnt right, the bridge. Right. So, so yeah. So um, I, I also, um, I have a few A&Rs um, that are contacting me now because I, I, they see that I'm very active with producers. So they, so a lot of A&Rs call me directly looking mm-hmm. for records. That's and I have no problem sending things over. Just give me your name. And also, for producers, um, try not to send zip files if you can. Um, oh, with, with a bunch of beats. Yeah, d- yeah. Don't, don't do that. Um, and the reason is because a lot of these artists are, are, are grabbed from all kind of places and, and aren't so computer savvy. Mm-hmm. So or they just want to hear it on the phone. You can't unzip it, right. it on your phone. Exactly. They just want to hear it right then <clears> and there. And, and a lot of times... If they can't get to a quick frustration set in, they'll go to somebody that can quickly access and play, and then then you might have lost that opportunity. And also, a lot of times with zips, um, people send way too many beats, mm. and that a lot of times that can that can give you the whack category. <laughs> Fifty pack. Yeah, as they start going through after the first five, they don't hear nothing. You may not ever get a chance to play anything else. Yeah. So send your best stuff, um, maybe three or four tracks. And get in, get out. Is it better for a link or better for a file? Um, better for a file. Um, just send the MP3. Um, yeah, just send the MP3 or, or or wave. Just make it as, or send it directly to the phone. And the sooner we can play it, the sooner. Because a lot of times artists will come to a session, they'll book it. They may not have any beats, which is more mm. often than not. Mm. <laughs> they'll 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 be in there waiting for one of their producers to send some stuff and they, their producer might be off working with someone else and can't yeah. do it right then. Yeah. So if you already have something planned, um, I think I did it with Dolph. I, I did it with a few artists. Um, had had records already playing or beats playing when they come in. So they already bobbing. What's that? Load That's it up. That's what's up. Yeah, so we got, a, um, yeah, we got an Instagram question. Um, shout out to Rio the Beat Monster. His question is, what is the most efficient way to market your music? Hmm. Market your music, man. Contact contact artists is, is as much as you can. Um, a lot of times, a lot of times, um, if you if you if you can get a relationship with artists, they'll they'll put you in seats a lot a lot more than 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 their managers or anybody else can. Um, I know uh, with my with my engineering and me working with Thug, it was Thug's choice of having me there as opposed to of a label saying. We want you to work this project. It was Thug's um, adamant request for me saying that I like to work with this guy. So and that was the Jeffrey. Uh, that was for Slime Season Three. I'm up, 
and I recorded a few songs on Jeffrey, but I think um, when they when it got down to uh, to being pressed up for for mixing and, and the full mastering, they sent it to Alex, and we changed they changed the names of the songs. So a lot of the songs on Jeffrey aren't the original titles of the records. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, with, with producers, just uh, uh, try to contact, try to do. There's all so many avenues of, of how you can how you can stay on top of artists. Um, I, I say. If you can pull up to a studio and you build that rapport, pull up at a studio. It's a whole lot better than, than sending an email. I know, know Zaytoven, to this day, he still pulls up to sessions. Yeah. And he'll make a beat on the spot. And if he can do that, there's no reason why, I, I, why you as a starting out producer or whatever shouldn't try it. Um, book, book sessions. Find out where artists work. Um, a lot of times uh, during, uh, like when Walker's working at Patchwork, yeah. we had... A few producers that would book the 1019 room we had. And I would say, open the door, play the beats, just have the beats playing. And, um, go to the bathroom, like move around. But but, but you got to be where, where the artists are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But don't be a weirdo, though. Don't be, uh, <laughs> no, don't be the creepy guy. Yeah, yeah. We got any other uh, good IG questions? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, somebody here asked, which is, what's the difference between how your money is made? And I got to be, because I know the answer to some of these questions, but I know some people don't. What's the difference between how your money is made as a producer versus how your money is made as an engineer? Um, with engineering, uh, I'm more of a work for hire. So I get paid for that day, that time. Um, there are un- engineers that get uh, producer credits um, where you get, um, they can you can negotiate a point. Just know that everything's negoti- negotiable. Okay. Um, so uh, a lot of times as engineers, we're really making the song, the breaks, the, yeah. the effects. That's what I was gonna say, a lot of the vocal skips, like that's create. once yeah. you put creative input into a record, I yeah. feel like you're kind of entitled to like, you know, some songwriting credit type of thing. And and that and surprisingly, that's a, a big thing in Atlanta. Um, when I met Birdman, he was saying the difference between a lot of Atlanta engineers as opposed to engineers from other, other places, it says that, um, that Engineers in Atlanta actually make the song. That's mm. facts. As opposed to artists just recording and you go out and you print and, and then it goes to sleep. Right, right. A lot a lot of a lot of us do the chops, the breaks, the 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 action of the record yeah. comes from us. On the spot too. When y'all started doing that stuff, you know, I was in Chicago working with a lot of artists back in 09, 010, and we hearing those records, like we're at studios, like, yo, can you do this? And they don't know. Like they had to <laughs> learn because you know what was happening down here. Um I know um Kai Engineering. Um, has been known a lot for doing that kind of stuff too, as far as the stutters, the rolls, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, so. K, yeah, K. Shout out to KY. Um, I'm uh, sorry, that's his name. Is KY? Yeah. Okay. Well, he I'm out sorry. Of, he's out of um, Kentucky, but um, um, I assist, I was uh, I did a lot of assisting sessions with him, and before I met him, I was a fan of his work and didn't know who he was. Um, I heard yeah. a lot of Waka stuff and um, uh, Slim Duncan, and when I finally got to meet him, and come to find out that he was the guy I was emulating my chops and breaks and stuff from. Because yeah. I was liking I was liking what he's doing, so I got to actually talk to him, and I was like, how do you decide what break you're going to do, yeah. what chop you're going to do? And and he says um, that it's, it's all artist-based. So he tries to find some key point that an artist does and try to enhance that. So yeah. like with Slim Duncan, uh, when he was around, uh, there was if you listen to his old records, there would always be a forced stutter on the drum. Whenever Dunk did his ad lib, he'd come in and go, Dunk, Dunk, Dunk. And the beat would do exactly that, Dunk, 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 before he would start rapping. And then uh, uh, you probably can notice it more on what he's done with 2 Chains, Like when uh, 2 Chains would do the uh, 
the long draw, drawn out trues and, and there was a flanger effect. Yeah. He mm. made sure that, that, that he only did that with, with two chains and not with Rick Ross and other people he worked with. Mm. Yeah. So, signature, so, signature thing. Yeah, so he, he's making your signature sound or, or to just have that insight as an engineer to say, I'm going to create something special for you. And, and it also creates job security. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. if you're, you're the guy that's creating that sound, he's going to always have to work with you. Just like with, um, uh, Travis Travis Scott and his ad libs. There's a certain way that they treat his ad libs, to where that engineer is going to stay his engineer. That's what's up. I just got goosebumps, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I got a good question. It's kind of off track, but how often do you get tipped as an engineer? And, and what are your thoughts? Do you feel engineer? I feel engineers should be tipped more. I've never uh, seen an engineer get tipped at the end of a session. Honestly, <laughs> I got a real good tip That's a good question. Uh, from, from Doug. I mean, Doug threw me about 500 one night mm. just, just cause, um, uh, it, it varies just depending on, on the nature of the artist you're working with. Um, it's not that often. Um, mm. if they think you're not making money, they'll, they'll tip you. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so a lot of interns get a lot of tips, yeah. but as you kind of, Get seasoned in, in the business, uh, tips come a little bit shorter. Do they tip you, uh, let them smoke in the studio? Uh, that, that's been that's been asked. Uh, <laughs> like, how much can we pay to just, just smoke in the studio? But uh, at Patchwork, they, they normally frown upon that. So, hey, I'm sure every, equipment. I'm sure everything's negotiable, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, like I told you, we, we was there over the summer working with kids. And so the first time I went to Patchwork, it was a smoke-friendly environment. Then you walk in with kids, like, whoo, cushions coming out the walls. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, you know, you get a little more sensitive to that. Yeah. Um, I wanted to, you had mentioned um, Alex Tumay's name mm-hmm. a minute ago. And Patchwork, at this point, from where I stand, is like legend and lore around here. So a lot of people are starting to know your guys' names, you know, far and wide. And so I know Alex Tumay is a name that I've heard before and, and kind of one of the names when I heard when I was learning about what happens at Patchwork, right? So I wanted you to talk about a little bit, uh, one, if you could talk about kind of um, kind of some of those staff names at Patchwork, mm-hmm. but then also just kind of talk about the difference between, um, you know, being a tracking engineer versus being a uh, mixing engineer versus being a mastering engineer. Okay. Um Shout out to all the engineers of Patchwork and worldwide. But um, you have tracking engineers, uh, mixing engineers, and mastering engineers. Uh, tracking consists of the the recording and, and putting everything on the tape or uh, whatever DAW you're using, whether it be Pro Tools, Logic, or whatever you're using. Um, that's the whole recording process of, of actually recording, laying the records down. The mixing is is mainly balancing. To making sure everything plays, you're, you're, you're hearing everything clearly, nothing's getting in the way frequency-wise. And then the mastering is the last step of, of the process, which is actually uh, where, where they get the leveling um, to, to be commercially ready for, for a release. Um, that's what you hear a lot, of this, a lot of them CDs. With mastering, the rule of thumb is uh, uh, you have to have 12 years' experience as an engineer to be considered a true mastering engineer. Wow. A lot of the, a lot of the mastering you hear now, um, is volume optimization. So basically, they give you all these plugins to basically make your music loud, but it's it's more science to it, um, to mastering. Um, it deals with time alignment, uh, and and that deals with frequencies that come out at different at different times out of the speaker. So when you turn it up in a club, your vocals don't get smeared. A lot of times, people will wonder why. Why their why their sound sounds different from from a Jeezy album or whatever when they played in the club, is because it hasn't been mastered uh, correctly, mm. and that deals with time alignment where the, where the low in, low frequencies come out 
a little bit quicker than the next the next uh, frequency band and so on and so on. But it's very it's very minute timing. If you were an artist, you know, coming coming to Atlanta to you know propel your career, and you were working under a certain budget, would you say recording in SSL gear is you know worth that initial investment, or would you say really just kind of that's secondary? Um, I would say you would practice, practice, practice first, because when you get to that studio and you start spending money, you it's a whole lot easier to to not see the benefit of being mm-hmm. in the studio. Mm-hmm. You'll talk yourself into saying, I can do this at home. Right. I'm spending all this money. Yeah. And the thing is, you haven't trained your ear to know what sounds good yet. Mm. Because um, there, there are songs, uh, not to knock any any particular artist, but quality on the radio isn't isn't it at best. Um, so so people are really starting to lose what, what sounds good. They're, they're starting to lose the reference of what sounds good. So um, a lot of kids, a lot of a lot of new guys think they can get it done on a laptop, and then 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 you're seeing main artists starting to record in hotels and things like that. Right, for sure. But uh, me having my ear, I can tell when I hear a Nicki Minaj version. She did it at a closet or at somebody's house, and these are records that are going out and getting awards. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I mean, you just, just got to take it with a grain of salt. Like um, uh, whatever you can make work for you. Make it work, but but keep in mind, the artists like Jay-Z and the Jeezys and the Beyonce's are still going to these studios. Mm. And they're going, to, they're going to beat you off of quality alone. Um, quality is what will what, what keep a person playing your record, even when it's a bad song. And the thing is, one thing I found interesting when I first pulled up, um, I think the first time I went to Patchwork was actually my first producer grind event um, last year. Um, and... You know, as soon as I walked in the door, she gave me a whole packet of information. The person that was sitting at the door, I can't remember her name. She gave me a whole packet of information. And when I started thumbing through these resources, I realized it's here for you. You don't have to be a millionaire. They got credit programs. They got yeah. pay as you go. They got layaway. They will show you how to do everything from record your music to promote it to selling it in the mm-hmm. whole nine. So, you know, the resources are out there, especially yeah. at a place like Patchwork. Mm-hmm. Can you oh, talk about that a little bit? Yeah, um, her name is actually uh, Lisa. Uh, she deals with the patchwork sales, and she has a pamphlet that um, that pretty much covers everything you need as an artist starting out. And yeah, um, as far as uh, the people you need to contact, the royalties, uh, how, how you get paid, they have a, a distribution um, a distribution thing that they're doing out there at Patchwork. Uh, the where the where they handle all the middleman stuff. Uh, they're, they're very open with it. Uh, uh, you can get your coding um, for your mastered songs. Coding is how you get paid. So mm-hmm. make sure that you you ask about coding. ISRC code, and there's one other code. But um, there's two codes that you need to make sure that you get paid for your music um, when it gets spun. When it, excuse me, when it gets spun, because um, uh, as soon as you post a record on YouTube or SoundCloud without the codes, uh, those uh, those formats code your music. So if you're if you if one of those songs happens to blow, best believe SoundCloud is getting a cut, mm. or or YouTube or whoever you uh, posted your music. You dropping a lot of game right now, bro. Sure. <laughs> All right, we got another Instagram question. This one is coming from. Let's see. Actually, this is a good um, mixed question from uh, Samar Bahia Eleven. He says, "If I have two sounds around the same frequency uh, levels, how can I make each of them stand out?" I said again because I had my mouth away from the mic. Um, he, <clears throat> Samir, Simar Bahia 11, if I have two sounds around the same frequency levels, how can I make each of them stand out? Okay. Um, there's a few ways you can do it. You can um, you can pan them apart from each other. Um, 
you could find, uh, you can do an EQ sweep to find where those frequencies or where those instruments uh, clash the most and then dip one on uh, on one particular sound and boost it on the other. Also, you can add uh, there's certain distortion uh, plugins you can add to give give certain sounds more weight mm-hmm. to to kind of to kind of change, the, change tone. the tone and, and timbre of, of the sounds as they play together. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, uh, uh, learned this in school, you don't want more than five instruments as far as melody going for the most part at the same time. So if you have instruments that are playing similar uh, similar uh, chords or similar uh, parts of the record, see if you can alternate one one or the other. Um, that that a lot of times that'll give the uh, the mix more movement mm-hmm. and You'll create, you'll create a, an, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You'll create a anticipation, anticipation for for the new change or whatever. So 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 things like that. Unless unless uh, those sounds combined create a sound. Um, sometimes you can mix a few a few different uh, instruments and it'll create an actual sound yeah. that you don't want to change or whatever. So just knowing what you uh, just knowing having a good end game and, and knowing what you want to do to make those sounds hurt and and how important they are in the, in the record. That's dope sauce right there. That's like that's like a lot of good sauce right there. Yeah, yeah. Like people don't, don't don't just give it up that easy. Um, Saturday night, man, I was on uh, IG and I saw you at the Scotty ATL video shoot. Man, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, um, I just I just check my phone some some sometimes and 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 I have a schedule that I didn't even know about. Um, it just so happens I work with a client by the name of uh, Intrigue, and he has a company that he's pushing radio ready. And he's very prominent out here as far as uh, open mics and, and things of that nature. So so if you're an artist looking for things like that, look up Intrigue Radio Ready. He's a good guy to co- talk, contact and talk to. But um, he gave me the insight. Um, he said uh, Scotty ATL was uh, doing a video shoot out at Metropolitan and pretty much just told me to pull up. And I've met Scotty a few times at Patchwork. And uh, yeah, um, he's a new he's a new artist. Didn't work on the record he was shooting, uh, but yeah, that was a Saturday night, I believe. And th- those are good networking things to go to too. Yeah. yeah, a lot of times uh, those are cameramen. All t- you <laughs> never know what you need or what to be around yeah. <laughs> at, the, at these uh, open. Uh, excuse me, these video shoots, and 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 a lot of times they'll have entourages. A lot of times uh, I've met, I've met uh, uh, the future artists. Through those entourages, so like That's when I was up. working with Thug, I met Gunna, and I was able to do his mixtape, and I was able to do uh, uh, um, Duke's mixtape, Uberman. Mm. Okay, just off of making a relationship with those guys and being in video shoots and things like that. So I took it as a, a networking opportunity. Sure. So in the position that you sit in, you get a chance to hear and see from a lot of talented folks before the rest of us as the general public do. Um, is there anybody we should be looking out for right now? There's a guy by the name of Oso that I'm paying attention to. Oso? Um, he's out of Atlanta. Um, there's a guy by the name of Black Boy JB. Mm, Memphis, uh, right? Yeah. And I caught I caught wind of him actually through a Moneybag Yo session. Mm. And that was that was interesting to see because uh, Moneybag Yo has a has a cousin or, or something that, that, that travels with him. And he was playing. He was playing uh, a Block Boy JB record, and and I happened to look over to see what it was. I'm like, oh, I like this. Yeah, I like this. This guy is gonna catch some attention. Mm. And just just so happened, um, I was on World Star yesterday and happened to see that Drake got a song with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's <laughs> so, what's up. 
Yeah, so I'm I'm paying attention to that guy because I, I I like him. He has a his 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 drums have a a old but new feel to him. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm, I'm more so I'm more so a sound guy. So when the when the sound changes, I kind of pay attention to that. Like when mustard drop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like oh that's different, but it's old too. Mm-hmm. So. I noticed a lot right before T, uh, T Grizzly dropped. I was seeing him all over Patchwork. I wrote uh, him a few times. Yeah, can you talk about that? Because I remember when you talk about new sound, I just remember when he dropped, it was just so different from everything else that was coming out. And I was a huge fan immediately. Like Everything you hear seemed like I hear of his I really like. Can you talk about working with him? The best thing about T Grizzly, I didn't know anything about him that day. I didn't know who he was in the room. Um, but uh, I know with him, he 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 has a different style because he writes his rhymes are already written. Right. So he kind of form formats his 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 verses to the beat. And if you actually listen to his style, you can tell he's not really on the re- he's not really on that beat. And I think that's what what creates the draw to his yeah his style yeah. And and he and he was he's a young guy, real real humble, real cool to work with. Um, uh, it was him, a guy by the name of R J. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kamaya, she's real big. Um, um, Midwest and YG was here, so uh, so yeah. So I got to work with T Grizzly for about a week. Yeah, and we did a few records. Um, I, I can't remember the names off off top, but yeah, I worked work with him. Uh, Little Dirk. And see, and, and the other thing I want to ask about that, too, is just, you know, kind of that Midwest recording style versus the Atlanta recording style, because you were talking a minute ago about, you know, OK, you starting to spend your money to get in this studio. One thing I noticed immediately when I got to Atlanta, because I work with a trap artist from Macon, is he would have me get, get on the board and do his tracking. Right. And then, you know, we were recording as we got to know each other. Finally, after two weeks, he just said, listen, man, if it's OK with you, I want to punch in everything. And I was like, one line at a time? He's like, yeah. And, you know, with my experience in Chicago, that kind of blew me because Chicago was like, yo, we paying money to be here. You better have everything ready to go when you right. get here. You better go front to back. <laughs> so can you just talk about the difference between, like, you kind of, kind of those, um, those those local recording styles because you see a lot of people from all over the country? Yeah, it, 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 I, noticed, I noticed the difference uh, when you have collabs done. So you may get an artist from another area and they'll come in and see uh, the whole style of how Atlanta records. Um, uh, quiet as kept. Really, Sean Garrett should get the crown for that. Oh, because Sean, Sean Garrett, um, as the story goes, uh, Sean Garrett was doing a record with Gucci, and Sean Garrett doesn't write, so Sean Garrett, you know, did his his scat thing he does to uh to make to figure out his 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 his, his, his writing style. Mm-hmm. So uh, Gucci caught on to how he did it and he started he started doing the punching. And so as have as, as time would have it, Waka seen it and Waka started doing it. So he's doing the punch me- uh, uh, method. And then um he happened to go down and do a feature with Rick Ross. Rick Ross seen the punch method. Mm. Rick Ross drops BMF. Rick Ross sound change. starts to change. Yeah. And and you start you start hearing it. Like you start noticing when people are writing and when they're not. It's just, it's just like a freedom you can hear between between uh, lines. Sounds a little more natural when they play. Yeah, because yeah. mm-hmm. because when you think about it, um, because I, I was an artist, um, this is what I try to little tidbit I give artists that are writing. When you if you are a writer and you recite your rhymes, rap them out loud. A lot of times people write their rhymes and they whisper their rhymes. Mm. So what what's happening when you do that? You have a full breath of air. 
So when it comes time to recite it, you're like, well, how, how did I say this? Or why am I running out of breath right here? Because you're not practicing how mm-hmm. you're going to perform it. So a lot of times why, why punching artists sound better is because they have a full breath each line. Mm-hmm. They're able to articulate better as opposed to you know what I'm saying? So and and I caught wind of that early with T.I. When I was listening to I'm Serious, I'm like, how is he? How is he rapping and rapping over himself at the same time at the end of the lines mm. and punching? Facts. That's facts. That's a lot of ju- that's a lot of jewels you just dropped right there. Not only because of the history in it, but you kind of starting to reveal why the art and the culture changes, right? Because as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking of artists like Black or Childish Major or guys who are kind of they walk that fine line between singing and rapping, and that's one of the reasons that can really flourish. And like you, I think the word you use was freedom. Mm-hmm. You know. It frees them from the lines. Sometimes, sometimes those those lines can lock you into mm-hmm. into what a certain particular rhythm or a certain rhyme. But 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 just going off the top, you can just hear what the music does. Catch the vibe. Right? Catch the vibe of it and do exactly what maybe the flute or whatever background instrument is doing. And a lot of times, I notice that's what Thug and a lot of these more melodic guys do. They find out the the main instrument and they kind of mimic that. Mm-hmm. Rem- remember that when you're making your beats too, man. For real, for real. Um, so before we get out of here, man, there's a couple things I want to ask you about. Coming back to this IG thing, man, your IG is lit, bro. You had a picture of, it looked like a case and some Hennessy para, Paradis. Am I saying that right? Uh-huh. <laughs> can, can you talk about that bottle a little, little bit? Because that was impressive. <laughs> well, that, uh, that wasn't really my bottle. That's a friend That's a friend of mine. Um, uh, they they uh, own Medusa Lounge, but uh, they have a, a artist uh-huh. Which goes goes back to relationships. Um, before they long before they had that, um, I was working with an artist of theirs by the name of Song for for the last few years. And as time would have it, um, these guys acquired Medusa Lounge, so so I got pretty much free access to go when, whenever I want to go. And that's what's up. And that's just off of networking and working with people and keeping keeping a good relationship. So whenever they do anything, I try to show love on my Instagram page. A lot of times, a lot of times just a little gesture of I'm paying attention and I like that is all you need and people that rock with you a long way. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, had, I mean, I had a, one guy, all I did was share that he had a release coming out and it, and it, and it stemmed to a lot more work with him because he, cause he said some of his friends wouldn't even share that and as soon as he told me, I shared it, you know? So you never know, you never know how you're touching people and I try to, I try to make sure my, my, how I treat majors and independents is the same. Mm. I, I, if if Waka call me or Joe Smo call me, my rate will not change unless I'm doing a mix. So I try to keep it that way so I can't put anybody's value over the next person. I could, I could definitely speak to that because one thing I know, <clears throat> you know, before I had a chance to get to know you, you know, like I said, many people had told me to holler at you, but I just started paying attention to what you was doing. And, and before I even wanted to be like, yo, can I do this or can I do that? I was just like, yo, the stuff you do is just dope. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think, were you were you biking last year? Uh yeah uh no nah, I was more so running I was out there at Piedmont Park um early in the mornings and just trying to in summertime I'll be back out there um I'll I'll invite people to just come out and do things with me and one one time uh at Patchwork I opened up the, the doors of the studio for eight hours oh yeah you I remember that yeah um, he was like yo hit me on DM you know if I hit you back pull up yeah and um and that and that was that was pretty amazing as for me, because I didn't know that many people paid attention. Mm. Yeah. So uh, I knew I was going to book Patchwork uh, maybe a week prior. And I just said, you know what? 
anybody anybody that sees this this Instagram post, pull up. And I did that with maybe two hours out of a heads up. And we had close to 80 to 100 people showing up. Damn, in the room. And so how we how we set it up, um, you can go to my IG page. You can, you can see that too. I have uh, behind the scenes footage of that as well. But um, yeah. Um, so was it just kind of like a big listening party kind of thing? No, I, I wanted people to see how I work. Because mm. like mm. I said, I, I'm an artist I'm, and I'm very active as an artist. Um, but uh, I wanted I want to just just uh this to show people how you can maximize your time. Yeah. So what I did, um, once I got to see all of the people that, that 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 showed up, I had producers um in our upstairs lounge. So they I had them plugged up to our main speakers upstairs. So they're working on beats. So while they're working on beats and collabing and 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 doing what they do, I'd have songwriters in the corner writing to the actual record. Mm. And then uh, while that's going on, we would have an artist in the booth recording to another record. That's so hot. it was like an assembly line. Yeah. And when whenever the producers got done, whoever had the, the dopest hook or whatever, put this hook on that, who has a verse finished, put that on there. And we're just making collabs and just had it going around like like assembly line. Yeah, music factory. And a lot of relationships were were built off of those. I did it twice. A lot of relationships were built off of those. Um, there was a producer by the name of Jay Dilla. I mean, not not Jay Dilla, uh, Dilla Beats. And there was another producer, I think Symphony. I, I don't want to mess his name up. But those two guys got together and, was, and made something crazy that night. And Rocco's son, uh, Uno, happened to be there. And he grabbed up Dilla and that guy and created his mixtape. That's dope. So... That's dope. You, you just never know what'll happen just off off of opening doors and just giving people access to what they normally wouldn't, normally wouldn't have. have. Yeah. And that's what I try to do. Power of networking. Show. Sure. Hell yeah. All right. So my last question. Lastly, the, the thing I always try to do is to uh, you know, make sure we're driving business towards our guest's way. But I know your phone stay ringing. <laughs> so my question is, do I have to be a young thug or a Gucci man to have stuff in my session? No, you do not. Um, I work, like I said, I work with independence, um, majors, uh, um, you can hit me up on, uh, Stafford underscore 13 on Instagram. You can DM me. Um, you can hit me on at my email, Music at Gmail, or, or you can just call me. Um, my number isn't private. It's 252-714-4984. I answer all calls. I prefer text messages. Um, uh, also, um, I have a, I have a promotional thing that I'm doing where if you have or know of anybody that's uh, that's an artist, if you book it, we're paying you $100 to book it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what I'm doing is employing my social media to 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 really to really reach out to other artists that you know. So so even if even if you're not an artist yourself, not a producer, if you know anyone that does music, um, you can book it book it through me, and and we'll send you $100 for the booking. The stuff for. Uh... What's the word? The Stafford, um affiliate program. Yeah, yeah so, I like that. I like that. <laughs> so I just, yeah, I try to incorporate as many people um, as I can in what I do. And, and it's very simple. You book it. As soon as the mix is done, we uh, cash app it or however we need to do it. Get- That's what's up. And I really like that, too, because there are people who, you know, really want to be in the game and they may not be a producer. They may not be an engineer or artist, but there are people who have a talent for connecting dots. So that's really dope, man. Thank you very much. Who knows? You might get into management or something off of that. That's what's (laughs) up. Real talk, though. Real talk. So, yeah.
Hey, fam, we appreciate you having, uh, for you coming on the show, appreciate man, you. and uh, appreciate you dropping that knowledge. Definitely, man, definitely mm-hmm. appreciate you pulling up, bro. And feel free to uh, hit me up on, in my emails or IG for any questions that we didn't cover. Like I said, I'm, I'm open book. I have no secrets, so hit me up. For sure, man. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. It's another episode in the books, man. Catch us next week. Peace. There hit it is. Up.